this is Desi and welcome back to my podcast Candle in a Dark Room. So today my special guest is Natalie. She's 20 years old and unfortunately she lost her father to suicide in May 2014 when she was only 14 years old. So today I wanted her to come on and just talk about the impact that it's had on her life you know, back then when she was a teenager and going through so much already. And then now being 20 years old and kind of going into adulthood and dealing with this pretty big traumatic thing that's happened in her life and losing somebody so close to her. So Natalie, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. So again, like I said, so your father committed suicide in May of 2014. Do you want to kind of start off by kind of letting us know what kind of led up to it and how it all went down? Yeah, of course. Um, with leading up to his death, you didn't really see any anything in particular. Like, there was certain things where, like, um, two weeks before he passed away, I had my last dance concert. Um, and he was never one to take, like, pictures at all. But he wanted, like, just a picture with me and him in it, which was super strange for mm. me. Because, like, it's always been, like, my siblings with my mom my dad so it was just me and him I was always just like that's strange mm -hmm. but I took it and it was an amazing photo and that's the last photo I have of us together which is awesome um but there was also you know some home issues as well like he was just acting super strange at home but it was always just you as a kid you would think it's just stress from work or mm -hmm. you know paying bills so I didn't think too much of it and if you don't mind me asking were your parents together Yes, my okay. parents were together, but, you know, in marriage, there is always issues. Right. So, um, there definitely was some issues at okay. home, but they were still always, they were together and... Married, yeah, okay. they were definitely married. Um, trying to think here, because it was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. So, what do you think, do you remember anything specifically that happened during that time that you think triggered it? I think there was a lot going on. Um, I was getting ready to start high school. You know, my sister was kind of an adult now, so she was off doing her own thing. Um, I there's stuff that has that I'm sure happened, but I'm not aware. You know, of like all of that information. All the details. Yeah, um, but I know like. A couple days before he committed suicide, like he did end up being in my room when I was sleeping. Um, he woke me up early in the morning. It was Mother's Day. Um, and he just came in, sat next to my bed, and he like just cried. And I was mm -hmm. like, Dad, are you okay? And he was just like, I'm fine. I just want you to know I love you. And then he like was going to go to my grandma's house. And I was supposed to go with him. That was like our plan. But I asked him, like, do you want me to go with you? And he said no. Like, he wanted mm. to go by himself. So mm -hmm. I let him go by himself. And, like, that was, like, the last time I saw him. Like It was that morning. It was, like, that morning. Because, like, when he came back, it was when I was either sleeping or I was, like, at school. Oh, so it was, like. Okay. So he didn't die that day. But mm -hmm. it's just that that's when you actually saw him. Yeah, that was, like, the last time I saw him. And do you know if he had anything major happen growing up? Did he have a hard childhood or anything? Um, you know, from the stories he used to tell me, it never seemed like he had a really hard childhood. Okay. But um, he did tell my, you know, mom when he was 16 that he wanted to commit suicide. He would, he didn't want to be alive. Uh, he always still, you know, showed like he was a happy human being. He mm. never showed any signs of mental health or, or mental health. No, not at all. 
I am he, he probably did to my mom, but he hit it really well from like me and my sister. Okay. So we didn't really see too many signs of it, um, which I'm super grateful for, I right. guess, just because like you I have was, only good memories. Yeah, I have all the good memories, but I mean, I know that there was some stuff going on. Okay. So what, what do you tell us about kind of what, how it all happened the day it happened and how you found out? Yeah. So, um, I was getting ready to go to school and my dad was sleeping on the couch. Um, I didn't bother him. I just let him sleep. And I went to school. My sister was still like living at home at the time. So she was at home and my mom was at work and I was in ninth grade. So I was still, it was close to summer. So yeah. I was almost out of school. Um, but I went to school and the day, like the morning started out just fine. It was just a regular school day. I had my phone on me. I was going to classes, talking to my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and then about like it was 11.25 a.m., I got a text message. Um, and this is the first time I'm sharing this story with anybody. Mm. <laughs> uh, I did receive a text message from my dad. It was, he sent a text message to me, my sister, my best friend at the time, and then some of his siblings, and then um, one of his like best friends from work. Um, in my text message specifically, you could tell that it, he was, it was pretty much a suicide note to like me. Mm. and um in the text message it was personal yeah it was just more just you know saying like he loved me and that he was so proud of like the young woman I've become and that he was gonna regret that I wasn't like he wasn't gonna be there for my wedding day and when you're 14 reading this message like you don't really comprehend what's going on but you're also sad at the same time because you're like why is he sending me this message mm -hmm. um he must have sent it out you know, as like, he must have written them all out and then sent them out at the same time because right as I got my message, I started receiving like phone calls from like family members like, hey, where's your dad? What is he doing? Um, and I was on? like, I have no idea. I'm at school. I'm eating lunch right now because yeah. I was eating lunch when it happened. So on the text message, he said he loved you. He was proud of you. Um, and then he said he was going to regret not being there. Did he say goodbye, like, specifically? He, he did, yes. So in the text message, uh, he pretty much just said, like, I'm going to be watching and waiting for you until you're done sharing yourself, and then we will meet again. Mm -hmm. um, and he mm -hmm. also made it very specific in, like, the text message, just, like, how he wished he was, like, never been born. And he took it from a Queen song from Bohemian Rhapsody where they say, you know, Mom, I wish I was never been born at all. Mm. Like, so he texted took me that. that. Yeah, and then he just said that, like, he hoped I would, like, marry the boyfriend that I have, which mm. is still really cool. Uh, but it was it was a goodbye letter. He Did you respond back to him at the time? Or were you kind of just like, oh, that's weird? Like, because I would kind of think at the moment, you read that and you're like, especially at 14, it's like you said, it raises red flags, but at 14, you don't really understand what those are. So you, I could see kind of being like, uh, okay, thanks dad. Like, you know, not really understanding. So can you, what's kind of happened in that moment? Yeah. I remember I read the text message and my best friend and I, at the time we both read it cause she had a different one. Oh, he, cause and he sent her basically like similar. Yeah. Something similar, but it was, um, the reason why he sent it to her was because he pretty much considered this girl as like another child. Oh, okay. He was very father figure to any one of my friends. So this girl, um, she, you know, we both were reading it and we both were kind of like, what do we do? 
Because in this mm. point, like, I still had, like, maybe an hour to two hours left to go to school. And I couldn't call my mom because she didn't have her phone on her. So I remember I didn't reply back, but I did start messaging, like, my sister and my uncles. And I was like, something's going on. Like, we need to figure out, like, what's happening. Because mm. I knew something was up. But the crazy thing was, is like right as we got that text message, um, my dad's work actually sent police officers to come looking for him because he didn't show up for work. Oh, okay. Um, so right as like the police showed up to the house, my sister did mention like, hey, he did receive, like we did receive a text message. And the cops pretty much told my sister, like, we can't go looking for people who are seeking attention. So, like, mm. they didn't even take into consideration the fact that it was a suicide letter, that it was pretty much him saying goodbye to his family. and like. They but they did show up at the house. They did show up to the house, but once we told them, like, he's not here and we don't know where he was, that was the end of it. They didn't bother to go looking for him, nothing. They oh, just... okay. So he wasn't at home. He, he wasn't. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so continue with what happened. Yeah, so um, at this time, like, I ended up getting out of school. And it was about 2.30 by the time, like, almost 3 o'clock by the time I got home. At this point, is your whole family looking for him? Not necessarily. My mom didn't know what was going on. So she called me from work, and I had to tell her, like, you need to leave work. You need to come home. He sent me this, like, text message. He sent my sister one. Like, this is something we need to work out. So luckily, I didn't want to go home by myself because... Honestly, I was thinking that he shot himself. Mm. So I was afraid to go home. Right. And so I actually asked my friends to come with me. And all my friends came home with me. And they actually sat there for a good couple hours with me just mm. to see, like, where he was. Um, and what That's was awesome. strange was with being 14, you don't necessarily think about looking for these things. But right as I got home, I actually started looking for, you know, where he would have kept the shotguns or any guns for a mm. matter to Luckily, see if they were gone. Yes, to see if like any of them were gone. All of them were in the same spot. So I was like, okay. thank goodness. Uh, the next thing I started looking for was actually pills. Mm. Um, and I did notice that his bag of pills was gone and also the bag of pills my mom had to take, uh, you know, mm. as an adult. So he had two bags of pills missing. Yeah. And I immediately like just kind of felt like overwhelmed I was like oh my god he's not coming home like I just knew it I felt it you could like, feel it yeah I was like this is not gonna turn out good and it happened to be about 3 15 3 30 by the time my mom got home and I showed her my text message and my sister you know told her like I got one too she was the only one that didn't receive a text message so she had no idea like what was going on and she left her phone home all day so she oh. you know was kind of like out of the loop but he didn't send her one that's interesting mm -mm. okay no he didn't send her a text message that she received and at this time we started having people show up at our house i had his work friends show up my uncle showed up like we actually had people like realizing like hey something bad is happening mm -hmm. and honestly I was sitting on the couch and I kept telling my friends like he's not coming home like I knew it like I had this gut feeling like no one's gonna find him mm. so at this time my mom's starting to call the police you know because we got that suicide text message and we started having police show up to our house and I just remember a bunch of people 
at our house. Uh, we had friends. We had family. We had I had my friends. Just kind of chaos. Yeah, it was kind of like a movie. Like you're yeah. sitting there and you just see like a bunch of people that are like trying to help you find this person. Mm -hmm. But it's also like you're kind of like stuck and you're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Um, and then I, it, a couple hours flew past. Um, we had more people kind of show up and I started to scroll through Facebook. And that's when I found out my dad was gone was because he actually decided to pass away at Magna Park um, in front of people who were there. Um, he took all of the pills and then he laid out on a blanket that I made him for his birthday or Christmas and he just like went to sleep. What was on Facebook was there was this post that said, I just saw a dead man in the park. He was black and blue. And I immediately knew because it was obviously a person that I knew. Right. And they didn't know it was my dad, but I knew. Because you hadn't posted anything. Yeah, I haven't. I hadn't posted anything. No one knew really what was going on in my life except for like my really close friends and my boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. So we were all just like, I knew it. My friends that were with me, like they were the ones that were like, that has to be your dad. So everyone was at the house like waiting mm -hmm. and he was at the park and nobody had, none of the people that were with you had found out until you looked on Facebook. Yes, my mom actually didn't even know. Um, she mm. was out front with some of the police officers that were still trying to ping his phone and find him. Um, somebody that I must that must have known me or have gone to school with me actually called nine one one at the park and told them like, "Hey, I know this family. Mm. He has girls. Like, he's not breathing." But they didn't want them to like. They didn't want to say their name or anything. Right. So I still have no idea who called the ambulances oh, but you know it was someone you knew yeah because okay. the police officers that actually arrived at the scene told my mom that like the person that called 911 knew us mm. but didn't want to tell like who their name was mm -hmm. so at this time like there was a lot of people obviously trying to wake him up in the park uh so it was obviously traumatizing to those yeah. people you know seeing someone black and blue in the park and like the you know ambulances the emts they were all trying to do what they could to save him um, but once I found out on Facebook that like I knew it was my dad, I messaged that lady and I was like, you need to take this down before my mom sees it or my sister sees it because I was more afraid of them seeing it. than. Oh, so you didn't tell them right away? Mm -mm, no, I did you not You just saw them. and then just kind of sat there with it? Yeah, I sat there with it for a minute and then I decided like I need to go tell my mom and the police officers. Mm. By the time I got to the front door to tell them, they already found out too. Okay, they had so already they, been notified. They started, you know, and at this time they didn't really, I don't think the police officers knew that there was a 14 year old girl in the house because the minute I opened up the door, like I could see in their faces, like they didn't want to tell me like the devastating news, mm -hmm. but I already knew it. Right. And so I immediately honestly started thinking like an adult and I said, we need to get a chair for my mom. She needs to sit down before she hears this news. And like, I sat her down and I like, I was like, Hey, you can tell her now. And they like told her like, we did find your husband. Um, he unfortunately like passed away. And like, I just remember like my mom, she was um, crying hysterically. And I just sat there and I just said, I need to call family members. And I started. So calling. you didn't cry right, at that cry. moment? No, not at the moment. I started, 
actually calling people that needed to to know. You were just in survival mode at that point, trying yeah. to help everybody. Yeah, and I was worried about my sister because she wasn't home. She was out with her friends, so I was like trying to get her home. I was like, someone needs to get a hold of my sister. Mm. Um, we need to get her home. And I just remember like I got a hold of a couple family members, and then that's when like chaos, I feel like started happening even more because we had police cars up and down our street. We had fire truck. We had an ambulance that was still there that was you know, dealing with it, then here comes, you know, my family and friends and people that have started to, like, hear what happened. Yeah, what happened. I never posted it on Facebook that my dad passed away, but somehow it got around, Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually started having friends from school message me, and people messaging me on my, like, Facebook, like, hey, we're praying for you, like, we hope you're okay, and I don't know how it got out because mm. all my friends that were with me, they kept it a secret because I told them, like, I didn't want it to yeah. get out yet. Oh, well, like you said, unfortunately, I think in the place that he chose to do it at was so public, like you said, that it was easy for people to kind of spread it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially on Facebook. It's so easy to spread gossip. It's like telephone, you know? Yeah. And even if especially in your community I feel like it's small over there to where like people can figure it out you know yeah it was it was a lot to deal with and I like I never really felt sadness yet I think I was still in the stage of like just shock Shock, and the fact that like there's people at my house bringing me food and like they're here till like midnight at night you know Mm -hmm. um but I I never wanted to walk up to my bedroom. I didn't sleep in my bedroom for a really long time because I'd have mm. to walk past his room. And I was always afraid to do that because I didn't want to, like, walk up those stairs and have to see that bedroom. So mm-hmm. I slept downstairs, like, on the couch for a while. Wow. Yeah. And I went to school the next day. Like. Oh, my, you did? Yeah. My my mom told me I didn't have to, but I said, no, I, I can't sit here and listen to you guys make funeral arrangements. So I need to go do something. Um, And I remember walking into school and it felt like a movie. Like Like everyone got silent. All the kids got silent. They would move to the sides of the hallway. They were, you know, whispering. um, Mm, And we didn't know why. And like we didn't know who told the school. We didn't know like what was going on until like... The assistant principal was actually neighbors to my dad's brother. Oh, so okay. my dad's brother actually told him, like, hey, I don't know if this, like, Natalie will be in school today. Right. But, like, her dad did pass away. And I showed up to school, and, like, everybody was really shocked. Like, even my teachers, they were like, what are you doing here? And I just, you know, told them, like, I don't want to be home. Like, why mm-hmm. would I want to sit at home with all the adults? Because mm-hmm. it was, it was like... To me, it was still, like, not real. Yeah. So I didn't want to sit there and, like, have to listen Hear to it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I felt more pain for, like, my mom, my sister, and my dad's siblings and mom than I did for myself. Like, I... Again, I feel like, just from what you're saying, it sounds like you were more just in, like, I need to protect everybody else and help their pain, and you didn't have time to think about yourself. And I think a lot, that's a common thing for not everybody, but 
for people to kind of do that, to put a face on because they don't want to, they want to be the rock for the family. And I definitely think that's what you were trying to be. Um, so when you went to school and everybody, you know, obviously knew, did that, was that kind of an awakening or kind of how did you get through the day? I didn't make it all the way. Um, I, I think towards lunchtime, I called my sister and I said, can you please come get me? I do not want to be here. Because at this point, was everybody asking questions or just being awkward? Nobody actually asked me questions. Um, they were all very respectful, which is surprising for kids that age. Yeah. Um, they all were very uh, quiet. They just, you know, some people would hug me, some would just leave me alone. I think what I'm most grateful for was my Spanish teacher mm-hmm. um, because he... Uh, I didn't eat anything, and he made ma- he made sure I ate, like, in his classroom. He gave me some food and some orange juice, and he sat there the whole class right next to me just to make mm. sure that, like, no one would mess with me, um, and he wanted to make sure I ate, which I'm super grateful for because yeah. I didn't eat anything, um, and that's when I decided, like, I needed to go home. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, there's kids, and yeah. my like counselors at school they already pretty much told all my teachers and it was close to the end of the year that my grades like were frozen any test that I had to take I didn't have to take like they pretty much passed me just because of like the trauma that I was going through um so it was towards like 11 a.m to noon that I decided to just go home because I didn't want to be there (laughs) so I ended up going home but I still showed up to like school a little bit towards the end of the year. Okay, just um, kind of back and forth. Yeah, just because I wanted to be with my friends and I yeah. wanted to. I also um, was a cheerleader at the high school. Like I mm. just made the cheer team at Hunter High, so I was also trying to make it to cheer practices mm. and trying to deal with like you know going into high school. So I I had a lot pretty much going on that I felt like I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't just sit there and deal with him being gone. So I was like. I have too many things I have to do. Yeah. Hey guys, so quick break. So if you came to my podcast launch back in August, you saw one of the vendor booths from the lovely ladies from Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10, Darkness Before Dawn, which was about suicide prevention. They specialize in apparel for every booty, men and women. I can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up the kids from school and never have to worry about them moving, scrunching, and showing my booty. They are squat proof, moisture wicking, and did I mention super affordable? I'm talking nothing over $40. You can find them on Facebook or on Instagram at Clone Apparel. That's K-L-O-N Apparel. And the link to their website is in the bio. If you use my discount code, candle in a dark room, one word, you will get 20% off. So make sure you check them out because I know you'll be obsessed too. Um, when do you think you finally broke down? And, you know, again, you were holding it in, being strong for everyone. When did you kind of let it go? Or I mean, did you ever, or have you, how did it all go down in that way? Yeah, um... For a little bit, like right before we buried him, uh, I never really like dealt with him being gone. But the cool thing about it was his spirit was actually in our house. Like mm. he was visiting us. Um, so at first I kind of felt like a little bit of like a peace. Yeah, a peace. Um, I never, I don't think 
all throughout like my high school years and me being a teenager, I never actually dealt with him being gone. Mm. I was always telling people like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Like it sucks, but like, there's nothing you can do. I think when I started dealing with it would be at the beginning of this year, um, Mm. 2019, uh, just because I lost my dad's mom Mm. and I think once that happened and I actually had to go back to the place that his funeral was at and where he was buried at, it actually like... Re-traumatized. Yes. And then it made me realize like I need to deal with this because I was holding it together for so many other people Mm -hmm. because everybody was worried about me because I was the youngest. I was 14. I was still had, you know, to go to school. I still had to graduate. So everybody was more worried about me. So I was trying to make them not worry about me and to focus on, like, themselves. Right. And I always, like, you know, there was still a few times in high school I would cry about it and I would be very sad that my Mm. dad wasn't there. But I don't think it actually hit me until I was, like, 20 and Mm. realized that he's missed out on so much of my life already. Yeah, and you have so much more. Yeah. So... Kind of explain the phases that you've gone through this year because, you know, we talked a little bit on Facebook and stuff just about the feelings that have come up and, you know, how you've been dealing with it. And, you know, you're so strong and you do put on a really good, strong front. But in reality, I mean, my dad, like I told you earlier, is um, dying of cancer, stage four cancer. And I'm like you. I have to be strong for my siblings. I'm you know, I can't deal with that. I can't even think about that because it makes me too sad. And so I'd rather just pretend like everything's okay. And so I'm trying to be the rock for everyone else. But I realized, you know, not very long ago that I couldn't do that all the time. You know, I had to let myself feel too. So this year when all this stuff started coming up, what do you think the phases have been and how are you getting through them? Yeah, uh, the phases that I'm going through right now, um, I have a lot of guilt. Um, I have, I put a lot of pressure on myself thinking that it was my fault. Um, I wasn't good enough for him to stay. Um, I struggle with that a lot Mm -hmm. just because I was pretty much the last person he talked to that he said, like, I love you too, that he cried in front of. So when you hold that for a really long time, like you think it was your fault because like, you saw him break down, you know? Right. Like, maybe and, you should have told somebody or... Yeah, or maybe I should have not let him go to his mom's house by himself. Like, maybe I should have been there and sat with him and told him, like, whatever you're going through, like, I'm still going to be here for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm your kid. Um, I have a lot of guilt. Uh, I also struggle with hating him sometimes. Being and, angry. Yeah. I get very frustrated because, like... My home life right now, it's not the best. And he left me here to deal with a lot of things as an adult that I feel like I should have a dad being Helping here. you guide you through it. Yeah. And it's, so I, I get angry and I have guilt. But, like, I think what I'm struggling the most with right now is just, since I didn't deal with his death at such a young age, I'm dealing with it now to where I'm actually so depressed that, mm. like, I, you know, I don't want to do anything. I sit at home, I cry, I, you know, try to deal with it. Um, But I go through all the grieving stages. I go Mm -hmm. through happiness, I go through, you know, grief, I go through anger. Um, 
I which, don't. I mean, in hindsight, you have every right to be angry with him. And here's the thing is, you know, we talked about this earlier too, but he, you were 14 years old and it's just like, you know, other people I've talked to victims of trauma, other types of trauma, you were 14 years old and that wasn't your responsibility to save your dad. And you had no idea that he was hurting inside. He put on a front himself that made him seem like he was okay, except for that night, which again, you hadn't really seen that much. So it was surprising. So you kind of just were like, okay, I'm sorry. You're sad, dad. You know, it didn't necessarily like make sense to you. And so I can understand why you feel guilty, but I just want you to know that like you were a child and that was not your responsibility. And even to this day, like you're 20 years old and yeah, your dad should be here to help you through all this stuff, but he made the choice and he loved you. Even though he made that choice, he obviously was thinking about you with the blanket with the text message, you know, you never left his mind. He loved you. But at that moment, and I can only say for myself because I've tried to commit suicide a couple of times in my past. And in that moment, you don't think about anyone else. You think about how much you love them and all of that, but you don't necessarily think about the aftermath of how they're going to have to deal with this now that you're gone. Yeah. And I interviewed um, someone else on my podcast a while back whose husband committed suicide and left their daughter behind. I think she was only one, I believe, at the time. And she, you know, is, I think, six now. And she asks questions. And it's one of those things that now she's going to have to grow up having those same thoughts that you have yeah. of why wasn't I good enough for him to stay. And, I mean, like I said, that's just so heartbreaking that you have had to have those thoughts um, but now I know you say that you're struggling with depression and things like that, but you also help a lot of people and you talk to a lot of people about this issue because you want to bring awareness to it. So even though you're struggling with it and you're kind of in the midst of it, how do you want to like spread your message to not only the people that are dealing with this themselves and the thoughts of it, but the families who are either need to look for signs or families who've just been through something similar? Yeah. Um, I reach out to a lot of people that lose their family members, not just to suicide, but just like, in general, just in general, because I know how it is to lose a parent. Mm -hmm. I've had multiple, um, friends who have actually lost people from suicide. Mm -hmm. And, um, thankfully, like, I'm always, I'm super grateful for the experience I went through just because I can now help other people go through it. Exactly. And that's what I have to keep telling myself. Like his death made me who I am today, which makes me, you know, I want to be like a mental health advocate. I want to, you know, support people who either think about, you know, killing themselves or people who've been through it. Cause it's, you know, it's not fun. And like, you need people who have actually been through something like that right. to help you through it because people who haven't been through it they will sit there and tell you like oh it gets better it never gets better I was just gonna say <laughs> that I unfortunately it's one of those things where you can learn a new life with it but it doesn't mean it doesn't still hurt and it's always gonna be one of those things that are gonna follow you you're gonna have to deal with this your rest of your life mm -hmm. and 
that's what I think people don't understand. It's like you said, and I personally don't understand because I haven't lost anyone like that. But just from the ones that I've talked to that have and I've seen and just talking to you, it just is something that doesn't just go away. And again, it's just, it's all trauma. All trauma is trauma. And I've talked about that before too, is sexual trauma, abuse, losing someone like to suicide. It's traumatic and it's something that we're never going to just wake up one day and everything's going to be fine and we're going to forget about the trauma we've been through. But like you said, the fact that you can recognize that it's the person that's made you today and it's made you a strong person and it's made you resilient to a lot of things, which has made you, helped you survive. And that, that you're reaching out to other people that are dealing with this is going to be so helpful because Again, they can go see a therapist. They can go, you know, talk to other people, friends. It doesn't always help. Exactly. But to talk to somebody that's been like, no, I know exactly what you're feeling. I've been there. I know the pain. I know the anger. I know the sadness. I know the happy tears. I know all of it is going to, could be the one thing that somebody needs in that moment to save their life or someone that they know. And just the fact that you're doing that, even though, like I said, you're in pain still, I think is incredible and I think it takes a lot of courage. So just thank you because I myself am a huge advocate for mental health and these stories are so hard for me to hear because it's always those, oh my gosh, that could have been me. That could have been one of my family members. And I just, like I said, I can't even imagine the pain you've been through. But then also I'm amazed by your strength because of everything you've been through. So I really think if you continue to keep sharing your story the way you have, you are going to save a lot of people's lives. Thank you. So I I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything else that you want to tell people to kind of look for that are in this moment? Um, You know, if you know that someone that you love is struggling or has depression, like honestly... Just show them love and show them that you're there for them and that the world wouldn't be the same without them because it's not like Mm -hmm. I miss my happy dad all the time. I'm going to cry. No, it's okay. (laughs) He was smiling all the time and he was so happy and I don't want another like little girl or little boy, you know, to experience this at all. This pain. It's not there. I want them to have their parents with them 24-7 until they're old like yeah it's super hard and like if you are you know like I've almost committed suicide and not a lot of people know that but Mm -hmm. there was a time I was sitting in my room where I was like I want my dad and I want to go be with him Mm -hmm. so I thought about it too and like if you think about killing yourself like life might be hard like life is rough and I've been there I've been in like a super dark place Mm mm-hmm but, like, you can make it out of it. Right. And if you think, like, you need help, like, go get the help or reach out to a friend or, or a family member and, like, talk to them. Because I have so many awesome family members that I can talk to them about what I'm going through that I didn't know I could. Right. So it's, Well, you don't realize the support you have until something like this happens. Yeah. And sometimes it takes me a little bit to, like, want people to help me because I'm always the type that I want to do everything on my own I'm strong I can do this yes right but there's also times where like you're not as strong as you think you are Mm -hmm. and and I think that you are strong 
But like I, like you said, you need help. You need help guiding you through this. You can't go through it by yourself. Nobody can go through any type of pain like this by themselves without that support. So just somebody coming up to you and giving you a hug and telling you how much you mean to them, I think can be huge. It could be like life-changing in that moment. Yeah. And I just want people, you know, like I want to be that person for people where like even if they don't know me, they feel comfortable enough to talk to me to dm me or like i hope my story and like what i've gone through makes like helps other people because Mm -hmm. i've always wanted to bring awareness to this because i never really had to deal with suicide as a kid like people talked about it but i never thought that it was gonna happen to me and then once it did happen to me i was like this is something that people don't take like into consideration like people don't want to talk about it and they just want to kind of hide it and it's not okay like it's one of the issues that people sweep under the rug that needs to be talked about it's so important and that's why for me I always you know talk about suicide and the effects it has on people because again people don't realize until it's too late and then they have to deal with what you what you dealt with when it could just be as simple as reaching out to the right person, like someone like you and asking for help and then having someone like you help guide them through those thoughts. Yeah. I'm always, always open to talk to people. And honestly, with me being such a huge person on social media, like I, if I see someone struggling on social media, I will message them even if they don't know me. Yeah. And I'm, which I think is awesome. I always like tell them, like, I know we don't know each other, but like you matter in this world even if you don't feel like you do and I feel like I've you know helped some people but like I just want to continue to help people I don't want other family members to have to go through what I go through or what my family's had to go through because like I know it it like I know my dad's siblings struggle and they you know they miss him and I know my sister struggles and I struggle my mom struggles I was just gonna ask how has your family as a group dealt with this do you guys talk about it often um I felt like I could never really talk about it Mm -hmm. um my I can talk about it with my sister my sister and I talk about it a lot you know she has her own struggles that she goes through because everybody goes through grief differently right and that's what I've had to learn is that you know people are going to deal with things completely different than how I'm dealing with it um my sister and I we talk about it but it's it's not all the time. It's yeah. only like if I'm feeling like I need to talk to her about it, I reach out and mm-hmm. she's the same way. Um, but right now, like our family doesn't really talk. Like we're all kind of just on our separate sides of life. And Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, have you been to therapy, if you don't mind me asking? Have you tried that yet? Oh, yeah. When I was in high school, um, I did have a counselor in high school. Okay. Um, and I did talk about it. and then. Do you just think that helped? It helped a little bit. I think when I was, again, like when I was in high school, I honestly kind of pushed my feelings aside for how I felt because I always wanted to be that strong person for, you know, my family. So in high school, I felt like, you know, talking to a counselor was just my free pass to get out of class. Yeah. Um, An excuse. Yeah. When I started dealing with like the depression and stuff that I'm going through now I did talk to a therapist um I did find out that I have you know PTSD um Mm. depression and major anxiety um and that all comes with what I experienced and but I'm not gonna let it like define who I am Mm -hmm. because it's just gonna make me even better 
you know, as a person right. once I get through all of it. But talking to a counselor or a therapist, like, it's kind of hard just because, like, they don't know right. what you've been through. Um, and I've made a couple therapists cry just from my story. <laughs> so I don't like to, like, go to therapy because then I'm just making them cry while I'm sitting there. Like, you're supposed to help me. No, right? No, yeah. I, I could see that. And I think that's kind of goes with the whole find the right person to talk to. Find the right person who can resonate what you've been through. Because, yeah, sometimes it's not very helpful to just talk to a random counselor. But if you talk, like I told you about my friend who, you know, specifically works with people with grief, I think in the, like, looking for somebody that can relate to you in that way because she's been through it, then I think that can be helpful. Yes. So I definitely think that you reaching out to those type of people is great, and that's why people should reach out to you as well because, again, you can be that person for them. Um, can you kind of tell us what's a couple things that you do now to deal with this when you're – not just like specifically this, but when your depression comes up and you really struggle, what are things that you do to kind of get you through it? Yeah, so I actually have a journal. Um, I've been starting to write in a journal. Sometimes it's a journal entry written to my dad. Mm. Other times it's just to talk about how I'm feeling. Um, I also have a really great support system at home. So if I'm, you know, feeling super down in the dumps, I always talk to them. That's good. And then... The one thing that I started doing that actually took me a really long time to do is I actually go visit my dad's grave, and mm. I will sit there and talk with him. Um, Tell him things? Yeah. It used to be really hard for me to go up there, because anytime I would go up there, it was just the memory of his funeral, and, you know, you think back, and you remember how he looked in the casket, and you remember all mm. those horrible things. Mm -hmm. So it was always really hard for me to go up there, but now I've gotten the courage to go up there and talk to him because I fully believe that they can hear you mm -hmm. even though they're not here. Right, and their spirit. Yeah, so I'll go sit there and I'll... And does you feel that helpful now, now that you're older and do that? Now that I'm older, I've only done it once, but okay. it has helped so far. Um, I only know because I do that with my grandma because my grandma and I were really close and she just died this last April and it was like you it took me a while to get over to her grave and I started to and I've only been I think twice but when you go it's super healing because you can feel their like the presence of them and just talking to them and telling them hey this is what I wish you were here for and this is what you know has happened and yeah. kind of just expressing to them everything that you what up if they were still here? Yeah. I also, you know, I talk highly on social media about my dad. I'm mm -hmm. very, you know, I post things about him just because, mm -hmm. one, it's good to talk about it. And, two, like, I never want his legacy to end mm -hmm. because, like, he's part of the stigma that needs to be talked about. And right. I want his face to be known and I want his story to be known. Um, and I've also done um, Out of the Darkness, The Suicide Walk. That happens. Oh, yeah. I do that. Um, yeah, that's amazing. When I when I can, because sometimes I can't always make it to it, but I mm -hmm. try to go for him and you know represent him because there's a lot of family members there that you can talk to that have right. experienced the same thing that you've gone through. Right. So it's also nice to have those people that like know how it is mm -hmm. to lose someone to suicide. Um, so I just I talk about it. I post about him. I write in a journal. I. Uh, talk to my family. I try and do everything I can, you know, because I don't want to end up how my dad was and yeah. be so depressed that, you know, you go and kill yourself because I've 
been there and I don't want to go back. Right. Um, do you want to share your social media so people can find you if they want? Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Um, so on Instagram, you can look me up by either Natalie Zoe Hansen. Um, or Zoe is Z-O-I-E. Yes. Um, or you can also look it up by my at name, which is Zoe, Z-O-I-E, and there's going to be four E's, and then it's an underscore 99. Um, I have Facebook, which is Natalie Zoe Hansen. Um, Twitter is the same thing, so... Once you find one of my social medias, you should be able to find all of them. And she also follows me, and I follow her on Candle in a Dark Room. Um, so if you can't find her, you can find her on my page as well. Uh, well, Natalie, thank you so much for sharing this story of strength and grief and all the stuff that you've been through. Like I said, I think that you're incredible. And you're, she's also a model and beautiful, so everyone look at her pictures because I'm always like looking at your pictures. I think they're amazing. Um, but... You know, your dad is has got to be so proud of you because of the person that you are and the things that you're doing in this world. So thank you for being one of those lights in this dark world. I appreciate it because that's what we need more of. So make sure you follow her on Instagram or Facebook. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you.